0: When you think of corporate spying, what do you picture? A James Bond in a movie? An army of high-tech agents in expensive suits and even more expensive weapons? This is not corporate spying. This is not real corporate spying. In today's episode, you're gonna learn corporate spying.
1: Because we were hunted by basically every authority uh, in the U.S., uh, the FBI, the U.S. Marshals, the Secret Service, um, because they were at the time Searching for the world's most famous hacker. This is Robert. They stumbled on our path and they thought that we were this super famous hacker.
0: Robert Kerbeck is the founder of Malibu Writer Circle. He has written a crime memoir about his career. The name of that crime memoir is Ruse. Lying the American dream from Hollywood to Wall Street. Lying. He has received praises from so many people which includes Frank from Catch Me If You Can, from X C I A cia agent Valerie, from Bradley from Billion Dollar Vale, so many other people. He has also won so many awards. To name a few, he has won a 2021 SoCal Journalism Award. He has received 2020 IPI Award. He has received 2020 Best of LA Award. He has received so many awards. And you know what? You're going to hear something unique today. Why? Because a TV series is being built on his crime memoir, on Robert's crime memoir. So of course, of course, you're going to hear some interesting stories today. And so if you want to learn about corporate spying, this is going to be the episode for you. This is going to be something interesting. So please stick with me and yeah, let's dive deep into corporate spying because even I'm unfamiliar with it. If you want to learn more about me, go to issuesingh.com, dot com. You can learn more about me and get in touch with me there as well. If you want to learn more about starting to know, go to the evolution of this podcast. Why not? Go to startingtoknow.com, learn more about in-depth topics, meet interesting people. You're going to learn a ton. Go to startingtoknow.com today. Talking about corporate spying, why don't we talk about work management and if you want to Manage your work in a smarter way, you can click on to the link in this podcast episode description from monday.com. If you want to manage your work with a smarter platform, smarter work management, monday.com is the way to go. And in order to use that product, in order to use that app, the link is in this podcast episode description. Click the link and enjoy monday.com. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Robert to the show hi Robert welcome to the show oh thanks for having me issue it's a pleasure to be here yeah likewise and uh corporate spying interesting topic I mean really like corporate spying why why What? what is the reason behind it
1: <laughs> well if I if I told you I'd have to take you out back and shoot you and <laughs> you seem like a pretty nice guy so I don't want to do that uh mm-hmm. look We all know the Russians spy on the Chinese and the Chinese spy on us, but what most people or the Chinese spy on Americans, they're probably not spying too often on the Canadians, but I bet you they spy on those Canadians once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think um, what people are shocked to find out is that major corporations are spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year to spy on each other. Um, And how do they do that? They find corporate spies like me that infiltrate companies, um and find out anything and everything they want to know about their top rivals
0: Mm -hmm. is it ethical
1: ah no it is not ethical (laughs) (laughs) no it is not uh and uh you know in the book uh ruse i talk about that um i'm not proud of what i did uh but it is a hell of a fun story and um so while I wouldn't advise any of your listeners to go into corporate spying it is pretty lucrative and I can tell you right now corporate America is desperate for spies so if you're looking to pivot to a new career uh you too could become a corporate spy
0: (laughs) no thank you (laughs) um like is this is this profession even even legal
1: Ah, that's a good question. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. What, what was that? Uh, oh, oh, oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it is definitely, uh, when we first started doing this, um, you know, the book kind of starts in the in the 90s. And when we first started doing this, my buddy who got me the job, um, we went and sat with an attorney because, you know, we, we were young actors living in New York City. We just needed a survival job. Um, you know, some of my buddies were waiting tables, some of them were bartending. I stumbled into this job as a corporate spy. And Mm -hmm. um, so in the beginning, you know, it was just to support ourselves as actors. We were going to become famous actors. And so it was just temporary, but we were still nervous about it. So we went and met with an attorney and the attorney, uh, when we asked that question about whether it was legal, he said, let me just say this, it's in the gray, the dark gray. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, as we did this job at one point, It went from the dark gray to the, you know, I I guess you would say to the to the black, uh, to the dark side, because we were hunted um, by basically every authority uh, in the US, uh, the FBI, the US Marshals, the Secret Service, um, because they were at the time searching for the world's most famous hacker and they stumbled onto the path of my buddy in the book his name is pax they stumbled on our path and they thought that we were this super famous hacker um Mm. and we were not this super famous hacker and, and they thought that this hacker was trying to shut down the internet which was just becoming um accessible to the public and so they were freaking out about this 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 one individual taking down all of these um systems um, and here we were, in our minds, just corporate spies, and they stumbled onto our trail. And so for a moment, um, all our fears uh, were realized. And instead of being in the dark gray, all of a sudden now we were looking at uh, going to jail um, for a significant uh, you know, number of years. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for us, they happened to catch this spy. He'd been on the lam. Um, they caught him um they arrested him they put him in jail they put him in solitary confinement in shackles mm. and he went to jail for years and somehow when they found him they the authorities were so busy patting themselves on the back that they found this guy and they stopped you know what he was doing and the internet was safe um mm. that they that they stopped worrying about us and they kind of just dropped the ball and let us go um mm. and so we were really really lucky um that we escaped from that very close call
0: wow this, this is going to be like really kind of fearful at that time no
1: yeah no we were we were you know we were scared to death I mean it at one point you know my hair was kind of falling out in clumps uh you know I was still a young guy I had a lot of hair so I didn't that was not a good thing mm-hmm. um but yeah you know we you know we you know we all of a sudden you know we just had misjudged uh the seriousness of what we were doing we always thought like well, you know who cares we're just getting some information from corporations what's the big deal um they're all doing it they're all doing it to each other that that, that was kind of how we rationalized it um and then all of a sudden it looked like there were going to be serious consequences as in years in prison um Mm -hmm. so we were very very happy when we dodged that bullet
0: so do corporate spies even exist now nowadays
1: Corporate spying is alive and well. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, so I write this book, Ruse, and, hmm. uh, you know, I tell all of my shenanigans and hijinks as a corporate spy. Now, I've outed myself as a spy. You know, I, I'm, hmm. I can't be a spy anymore because now everybody knows who I am. I basically, you know, put a target on my back. Hmm. I cannot tell you how many major corporations have contacted me after having read my book saying, Robert, we read your book. Your book was great. But forget about the book. We want to hire you to spy for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, which I, I that of all the things that's happened uh, with this book coming out, and and most of them have been really wonderful, and 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 it's been great to uh, have mm-hmm. readers reach out to me and tell me what they liked, and you know, and 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 you know, hear people laughing because I I wrote the book during COVID, and so I really wanted to write a book that was fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Ruse kind of reads like a spy novel. It's a page turner. Um, mm-hmm. But I was shocked that corporations were basically saying, "Hey, we found our spy," <laughs> and uh, and so um, they're desperate to find people that can infiltrate companies uh, and find out all of the information that corporations want to know. They want to know everything about their rivals. You know, you know. Mm. Nowadays, we live in an era where you think everything is available uh, on the internet. So, for example, LinkedIn has a tremendous amount of information about personnel. Mm. But even today. You know, about a third of major executives aren't even on LinkedIn hmm. and the ones that are on LinkedIn, their positions aren't updated, the title's not updated. And even if it is, you can't tell on LinkedIn who the best people are at a given firm, who the rock stars are. And one of the things your audience may not know is almost every corporation ranks their employees, they have an internal system, internal metrics that they use to rank their employees. And what we would do is we would go in and we would find out what that system was, so that we could then tell our clients, hey, here's a list of all these people that are at this firm. But here are the people that are the best. Here are the people that are producing the most. Here are the people, the top salespeople. Here's the top tech people. So that a lot of times then corporations could actually steal those individuals. They could poach those individuals Mm -hmm. and they're poaching the best talent from their rivals. Mm -hmm. Right. You think Mm -hmm. about, you know, you think about a sport, right? Any sport, if you could take the best player from your, you know, your big rival, you Mm -hmm. know, you could take the best player off their team and put them on your team. Well, what happens, right? Or the second best player, even the third best player. Well, in sports, you usually can tell who the best players are because you see the, the statistics. And what we would be able to do is we would go into these corporations and we would get those internal statistics on who the best people were so that they could be stolen away by our clients. And that kind of information was incredibly valuable. And along the way, we were also determining things like, you know, pricing strategies, expansion plans, is a company hiring? Are they firing people? Um, you know, what deals are they signing? What deals are they pitching? You know, mm-hmm. anything and everything that could help our clients increase their revenues.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is that you actually do? Like how you get that information? Like, yeah, tell me without killing me, like, give me ah, an
1: <laughs> Well, you know, so, uh, you know, most of the spying I was doing was in the 90s and in the aughts. And so we were using, you know, good old fashioned telephone, analog technology. And so we would call people up and because we were actors, you know, we were trained actors, we would create personas, we would create characters, we would create voices. You know, we would often do accents, you know, uh, this is Gerhard calling from the office in Frankfurt, Germany, we have the European Union regulators here this week and we need some information from the States. (laughs) Right. And so if you're, you know, many of these firms, you think about all the banks and all the technology companies, you know, they have offices all over the world, they have offices in Tokyo, they have offices in London, they have offices in Frankfurt, they have offices in Berlin, they have offices in Paris. And so if you can be somebody from another office, and if it's a name people recognize, because we were impersonating real people, Mm. you know, imagine if you get that phone call, You're going to go, oh, my God, it's Gerhard in the uh, Frankfurt office. Oh, hey, Gerhard, you know, I've never spoken to you before. I've heard about you or I've seen your name on a conference call or I've seen your name on an email. Mm -hmm. Hey, great to talk to you. What's going on? Oh, boy, you're in trouble. There's an emergency. How can I help? Right. Mm -hmm. People are trained to be a good corporate teammate. Right. So we would use the telephone and we would prey on that kind of be a good corporate teammate. And we would get people to tell us anything and everything we wanted we would get them to look up stuff on their systems to to use their passwords to to get us into onto their server to give us information about their architecture about their people about anything that our clients wanted to know
0: you just mentioned about the consequences initially and you mentioned like you were trying every possible way to get the information what are the consequences? Like, do you know, like any, any current advancements? Because you mentioned when you were doing that, that was 1990, uh, 1990, right? So um, at that time, the the area was dark gray, but now do you know the consequences, like the latest ones, anything?
1: Sure. Well, look, can you think about it? If you're, impersonating someone that exact you know that exists you know that's fraud um you know if you're using the computer or the telephone to do that you know that's fraud um you know so there are a whole series of statutes both you know in in america and internationally um that you're violating um you know if you're also doing that to a corporation you know you're susceptible um you know to charges uh you know from from the you know whatever you're doing whatever information you're getting right if you're stealing secrets, um, so there are criminal penalties and then there would also be potentially civil penalties. So that X Y Z could corporation could sue you and go, hey, you stole this secret from us and you gave it to you know you you know w- you know we're Apple computers and mm. you stole our secret new you know blah blah and you gave it to Google and now we're gonna sue you for a billion dollars, mm. right? You know. Um, Back, speaking of Apple, you know, legendary CEO of Apple, Steve Jobs, was so um, adamant about corporate security and secrecy that he refused to even let the Apple designers be listed in the corporate directory because he did not want people to get their names and potentially poach them. Right? Imagine if you mm. could get the name of one of the original, you know, members of the iPad design team back in the day, and then you were able to bring them over to your firm, hmm. you know, imagine how many, you know, forget about millions of dollars, billions of dollars that would, would have been worth, right? right? And and Apple was one of the firms, and today still is one of the firms that understands the value of corporate secrecy and corporate security, indeed, they tell their, their employees, if you discuss things in public that you're not supposed to discuss. If you tell anyone, your wife, your friend, the guy at the bar, any of this stuff that you're working on, forget about being fired. Mm -hmm. We're going to sue you. You're not just going to lose your job. We're Mm going to sue you, right? And so so people at Apple are really aware. But I'm here to tell you, most corporations are not. They are not They are not training their people or educating their employees. They spend so much money on the computer technology, protecting the hardware, the firewall, the inscription, all of that stuff. And I'm here to tell you that the weakest link of cybersecurity is always the human being. Mm-hmm. Right? What I tell people is I don't hack computers. I hack people. And I get the people inside the firm to hack the computers for me.
0: Yeah, okay, got it. Not directly going to the source, going indirectly via some other person. Interesting. Like, okay, do you think uh, there is a big gap, like in in between the corporate training and uh, and where the people minds are at this time? Like, even though you you just said like it is actually happening, there are spies out there trying to find out the information. So only bigger giants are are kind of a bet. To, to the spies or, uh, or like, what do you think? Like the smaller companies are also a case in this scenario?
1: Of course, the smaller companies, I mean, you can make an argument that a smaller company in, in some way is at greater risk, right? Um, so I recently spoke to a small um, hospital uh, network um, and basically they had been hacked um people use social engineering techniques and that's what in the book i call rusing which is basically just using trickery and subterfuge manipulation and deception to get people to tell you things that they shouldn't tell you and so people use good old-fashioned telephone rusing um, to get people to give them information about the systems that this hospital network used uh information about you know all, all these kind of things that then enabled the hackers because they usually something you know as as we know a lot of these these ransomware attacks it's not just one person it's a team of people and usually they have the what i would call you know the first wave of people that go in and they're doing kind of social engineering they're getting information they're finding out how they're going to hack and you know and then they get that information that the hackers say hey we need to know this and then the hackers have a much easier job getting in and this firm that i'm talking about basically had their systems completely frozen uh, they could not work they could not ha- they could not operate their business um you know catastrophic loss it's a hospital Mm -hmm. network they you know they basically had no systems they couldn't book appointments they could Mm -hmm. not book appointments Mm -hmm. now imagine how devastating that is for a firm and it was because somebody inside the firm took a phone call started telling people stuff that they you know and and of course then there's also now we get these um you know it's phone calls of course is one way and now of course as your listeners also know there are the the phishing texts, the phishing emails, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are all of these different techniques that now that spies um, are using to infiltrate firms. And sometimes it's just to get information, and sometimes it's actually to um, create damage in order to, uh, you know, you know, to get paid off in terms of a ransomware attack. That was something that I never did. You know, you know, it, it, n- n- not that I'm saying that what I did was right. <laughs> but um, we always drew the line. I drew the line at um, getting information uh, about corporations um, and about you know their plans and their strategies. Um, you know, I was never you know shutting down their system or damaging their system. Um, um, mm-hmm. That was just something that you know we we we, we kind of drew the line that that we weren't going to go there.
0: So, do you know like how does spying involve ransomware attack? Look, hackers
1: many times need help, need information to be able to hack a firm and that information, how do they get that information? They call up on the phone, they visit the facility, they talk to somebody in, in tech support or HR, whatever, but they, they need to use social engineering to get information so they understand how to hack a particular system and how to hack a particular company.
0: Yeah, without get, getting that information or getting the knowledge, like this is where the weak spot is. This is where I can get in, like without exactly, that, yeah, exactly, okay. yep, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, share some in- interesting story. Like, do you have like what kind of ploys did you use before? Like any anything there?
1: Well, sure. I mean, you know, so again, we would play on the idea of everybody wants to be a good corporate teammate right? Everybody wants to, uh, you know, help their teammate out, even if it's someone they've never met before, or they've never spoken to before, right? These corporations are huge. They have 10,000 employees, 20,000 employees, 30,000 employees. They have 17 offices, 52 offices, right? Whatever it is. And so people will recognize a name. And even if they don't recognize it, they can quickly look it up on the internal database. And they go, oh, it's Gerhard from the office in Frankfurt, like that example I used earlier, or, or, mm. or, or whatever, right? Yeah. And now they believe you are who you are, right? And so what what I would try to do is I would try to pick an individual that I was going to pretend to be that was high enough at the food chain so that the person that I was calling was maybe below them in stature, so I would basically be an executive and they would be not an executive, they would be a junior executive, Mm -hmm. you know, or you know, or I would be, you know, a senior vice president, they would be a vice president. And so that they would know when when I was calling that I was higher than them in the corporate hierarchy. And so even if they were a little suspicious, they were hesitant to, you know, make an enemy of me. They were like, well, you know, boy, this guy, Gerhardt; he's the senior vice president of compliance. You know, he's the chief operating officer for Europe. He's the, you know, Chief Financial Officer for the Asian operation, right? Whatever, mm-hmm. and they don't want to get on your bad side, right? So so even if they were a little, boy, why, why do you need this information? And boy, this is a lot of information and and, and you need my password and you know, like why wow, you know. But at the end of the day, people in, in a weird sort of way, the more outlandish the ploy, the more outlandish the requests for information it's counterintuitive but the more believable it became and the more people were willing to help you this
0: is this is is what I never thought okay this is something another level (laughs) thing it is
1: it's like it's like hypnosis (laughs) you know a lot of times in these calls it was like I was putting someone into a trance Uh and once they were in the trance they would tell me anything that I wanted to know anything
0: Mm -hmm -hmm. because they trusted you they they Think that uh, they're talking to the person who portrayed like he's that person. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. And, and how can corporates like protect the information? You mentioned even the smaller companies are are basically kind of a bait uh, for for these spies. And even the smaller companies, bigger companies. What do you think? Like how this problem can be solved? Yeah, I know. Like this cannot be a bulletproof thing. There's going right. to be. Uh, Because humans are involved and right. you said humans are the weakest link in here, right. but at least like any, any checkpoints to make sure like. Yeah. I mean, that,
1: that that's, that's a great question. And it really is the most important question.
0: Here's the thing.
1: Most people that work in the tech industry, and in the cybersecurity industry, what are they good at? What are they good at? Mm-hmm. Working uh, with computers and systems and technology, yeah. right? What are they not quite as good at? working with people. Right? Cool. Now look, that's a that's a generalization and I fully admit that. But, you know, you know, I think we can we can say that, you know, most people in the cybersecurity space are going to be more tech oriented than um human being oriented. And so what are the the people in cybersecurity looking at? They're looking at their firewall, their encryption, all of that stuff. They're oftentimes ignoring the human element. So they don't do so they're constantly testing their system for ways to break in, but they're not testing the human beings. They're not hiring somebody like a former spy like myself to say, "Hey Robert, let's see what you can find out about our firm. Let's see how you would penetrate it." To, here's three things we'd like to see if you can kind of call and find out about us. Here are a couple of secrets. You know, can you can you find out? You know, we'd like you know, and then basically say go go have at it. And mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you, in probably depending on what they asked me for, probably in about forty five minutes yeah. I could get answers to those questions.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So basically, um, it's kind of an ethical hacking that we do with the computers, trying to figure out like this is where the vulnerable situation. Exactly. is. Exactly, it's okay.
1: exactly it's the same thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. In other words, in the old days, I was you know on the offense. Mm. Uh, now I, I work with corporations to on the defense to defend them, right? And the way that I advise corporations, it, the first thing is is we need to find out you know how how vulnerable. Uh, is your, you know, your system, how vulnerable are your people to this type of social engineering, these types of bruises, you know, um, some firms are pretty good at really um, letting their employees know from day one that they're hired, that they can't say this, they can't do that, they can't do this, they can't do that. Um, and they stay on top of that. And and then they have a culture of secrecy, like Apple. Um, but I'm here to tell you, 99.8% of firms do not have that. Um, and they're incredibly vulnerable. And usually, when when I do this kind of um, you know testing, you know ethical hacking, you know people hacking, mm. um, the people that that bring me in to do it are are just blown away. They're blown away that it was that easy. They just cannot believe it was that easy. Um, mm. And they, re- you know, really requires a firm-wide commitment to education and training of employees. That you know, these kind of ploys are still out there. In addition to the phishing emails and the phishing texts, and you know, all of the all of the stuff that's going on in terms of the the technical side of of hacking.
0: Mm-hmm. And why did you write rules? So was that a reason that you wanted to protect the company? Something else like that motivated you?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, I had the proverbial midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. I I didn't I didn't want to do the job anymore. And my child at the time was eight. Heard me on the phone doing some of my rusing uh, and said, you know, uh, Dad, are you a hacker? And I said, no, no, I'm not a hacker. I'm just getting information to help corporations do better part of the capitalist system. You know, you know, it's not so bad. And, Mm -hmm. And my kid said, but it's dishonest and Mm -hmm. in that moment i went yeah you know what you're right and i had kind of lost sight of that and that was the moment where i said i gotta get out of this and um and so um you know and so that that kind of spurred this midlife crisis and then finally when i did get out of it i I started writing i'd been an english major in college before i stumbled into spying Mm -hmm. and um i started writing this story and um read an early chapter at a writer's conference, at a famous writer's conference, and uh, people were blown away because they had never ever heard of this world of corporate spying. They did not know this stuff went on. And they said, mm-hmm. this is fascinating. You need to write a book about this. And and I did. And uh, the book timed out nicely because it kind of, kind of came out right around when the statute of limitations uh, had expired on any potential crimes that I may have committed, mm-hmm. um, which enabled me to write the book um, and and feel you know relatively safe that i wasn't going to go to prison (laughs) (laughs) because that would not be good um and so that's why i that's why i wrote the book and and the book came out this year
0: cool cool congrats for that thank you yeah it's been really fun really fun yeah yeah yeah. any final thoughts that you would like to share with the person who is listening to this episode right now
1: you know, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I hope you buy the book. I think um, not only is it a fun read, like I said, it's a page turner. There are a lot of tips in there um, about how corporate America works, right? How the spying works, how, how job hiring works. Um, how not to fall victim to being rused right you're going to learn a lot of things that i think anybody working in corporate america is going to be like oh wow i that that was a good thing for me to know Mm. you know because it's going to help me either get a raise or it's going to help me not get fired or it's going to help me get a better job or it's going to help me not get you know you know my bank account information stolen Mm. um so there's a lot of good stuff in there in terms of that
0: awesome awesome and where can we learn more about you and your business? If someone wants to get in touch, your website, anything?
1: Yeah, my website is just my name, RobertKerbeck.com, K-E-R-B-E-C-K. Um, There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Uh, you know, my other books that I've written, essays that I've written, films that I've written, and the trailer uh, for Ruse for my current book, their trailer is on there because uh, they're making Ruse into a TV series. Um, and so you can kind of see that and get a sense of what the series is going to be like.
0: Cool. So congrats one more time for the TV series. Man. Big thing.
1: Yes. No, I know. It's. I mean, look, uh, you know, I live in Malibu, California, so I know a little bit about Hollywood. I'll believe it when I'm on the set, um, mm-hmm. but it definitely is looking good and it's very far down
0: the road. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming to this episode today. Thanks a lot. Thank you.